Hey guys, and welcome back to Hashtag Licensed, where you can learn some of what you need to know to pass your licensure exam, your social work licensure exam. As a reminder, this is not to be used as your only form of studying. Please create yourself a study plan um, and incorporate this into it. So, first of all, may I say I am so, so very sorry for how long it's taken me to... Um, to record another episode, I decided that I wanted to do three weeks on, one week off, um, so to, like, avoid burnout and things, so, not in things, just burnout, um, so I did that, and during the off week, I, my husband and I caught covid Um, He's a school teacher, so um, it was the first week of school, second week of school, I guess, and it's just spreading. So um, we were sick, and I had no voice, so I couldn't record an episode, and then um, this week just kind of got away from me, so I haven't posted, but I'm back. I'm here. I promise I'm going to be reliable. Um, So... Without further ado, today we're going to be talking about transference and countertransference. I think that this is one of the most important things to talk about and one of the most under-talked about things in social work. Um, So, yeah. So... On your exam, you're going to have to differentiate, going to have to be able to differentiate between countertransference and transference. And it's really not hard to differentiate. Um, it just can sometimes, sometimes get confusing because it's basically the same word, but um, one has counter in front of it. So let's start with countertransference. Countertransference is going to be the practitioner's unconscious reaction to the client's projections. And I'm getting this from um, the textbook uh, Theories for Direct Social Work Practice by Joseph Walsh. Okay, so this is what Walsh says. Countertransference was initially defined as a practitioner's unconscious reaction to the client's projections, okay? So this is also can be if um, the practitioner is putting some needs, some un, uh, unspoken about needs or different things like um, beliefs or biases onto the client, um, it can create a barrier between the client and the, um, the clinician because the clinician is just going to be trying to fix the client or try to, um, work too hard to create, to work too hard to, like, fix this one little issue about them instead of being objective and understanding. So that is counter-transference. And transference is um, 
Oh, man, I got to find the definition. Um, transference is basically going to be the opposite. Transference can be um, the client is putting these expectations or unconscious reactions onto the clinician, um, and which can also be dangerous if the client is thinking that the, the clinician is being critical or over, um, over analytical of the, of the client, you know? So, um, it's really important to, as a clinician, take a step back and understand what the difference between transference and countertransference is. I like to remember it as like, um, it's the C before the T. So C for a counselor, and then you move from the counselor to the client. So counselor to client. So we have countertransference, transference. Okay. So that's how I like to remember it. Um, in practice, let's talk about how you can practically understand this and um, work around it in practice. Um, so if you are experiencing counter-transference with a client, I'm going to give you an example. Um, an example could be you are a Christian. This is an example that I've dealt with and um, have had to kind of come to terms with when dealing with clients, not dealing, but, you know, when encountering clients. Um, I'm a Christian, and so obviously my values are going to hold some bias. And part of being a Christian is wanting to spread my good news, not my good news, but like the Lord's good news. And it is my good news, I guess, um, to every single person that I meet and every single person that I encounter. So naturally, I want to share this belief with my client when my client might be agnostic and I'm putting this... um, I'm putting a desire to know truth onto my client, okay? And so, um, in that situation, I have had to take a step back and understand my bias and understand that not everyone wants to be a Christian. Not everyone wants to know the good news. So... Um, I have had to come to terms with the fact that I cannot share my beliefs in counseling unless a client specifically asks me to do so. So um, that is an example of countertransference. And if you cannot overcome the innate desire to um, to pressure the client because you are you're pressuring your client so if you cannot overcome that that innate desire to pressure them into um, fitting the mold that you have made for them then you need to find a you need to refer this client out to another clinician who is um more able to um not have that bias and mold put on the client it can also happen with if you are um against gay 
rights or gay marriage. Um, if you are a clinician against gay marriage and you have a gay client who comes in and is talking about the oppressive system that we have against gays, then um, you're going to have to overcome that or give the client away. So that's transference. How can you, how can you tackle transference? Because that's, that's the client, you know, that, that's not you. You can't change the client's thoughts or um, feelings towards you or the mold that they're putting on you. You can have a conversation with your client and say, hey, um, I feel that you may be putting a mold on me and I just want you to know that I am an objective sounding board for you. I want the best for you and I want you to succeed in life and I'm just here to help you process through what you're going through and help you learn better coping mechanisms. Um, is a way that you can deal with that transference from the client to you. Um, but if that doesn't work, then you may have to have a conversation with the client and tell them that the relationship isn't going to work out like that and refer them out to a different clinician. And all of these things are very hard. And when you have to refer out to a different clinician, remember to do your your um, ending, your kind of ending routine. I know that everybody has their own routine to end their uh, sessions with people. So make sure that you do that and make sure that you let the client know it's not their fault. It's not their fault that you can't continue to work with them or um, are choosing not to continue to work with them. You know, remind them that they are still valuable and they are still um, worthy of respect and love. It's just that you might not be the best person to um, to counsel them. You know, take on the blame. Say, I am not fit to counsel you. So I'm going to give you to someone who I think would be more fit to counsel you. Things like that are ways that you can deal with transference versus counter-transference. So, before I go, I'm going to ask you a question. C to T, what does that mean? So, what is counter-transference? Right. Counter-transference is a practitioner's unconscious reaction to the client's projections or the um, clinician putting some type of mold onto the client. Now, what is transference? Right, transference is the opposite. It's when the client puts a mold or unconscious reactions um, into the clinician's projections. Cool. So now that you know what transference and countertransference are, you are going to rock your exam. Um, as always, please email me if you have any questions or if you have any topics that you want to discuss um, in the next episode or in upcoming episodes. You can email me at licensedpodcast at gmail.com. I check my email regularly. Um, I check it about 
well, right before I make any of the, the, um, content that I post, I check the email. So please email me, please email me if you have questions or if you have topics, I really would love to do some topics that you guys are wanting to learn about. Um, I have plenty of material I can use, but it's more fun if it comes from you. So yeah, let me know about that and I will catch you on Tuesday. Okay, bye.